to Luke chapter number 2, Luke chapter number 2, and I know normally on a normal Sunday morning we have an outline and things, but I figured this Christmas Eve you'd be fine with just having your Bibles open. Only got three short points, not much to the message today, but a good truth that we need. And I really don't know, we look at, we look at all that this world does and the things that our world does, what if Christmas was just all about really Santa Claus and a red-nosed reindeer and Frosty the snowman? And what if there was no Jesus? Imagine that. It would be miserable. The fact is Jesus came, and Jesus came to save. And this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't have a personal relationship with him, the best thing you could do this Christmas season is get a relationship with him. You'll never regret it. I was six years old the day I got saved and came to the Lord, and I haven't regretted it one day. And I'm so grateful for what the Lord's done in my life and what he's doing in a lot of your lives as well. If you're here today and you're missing something in your life, I know what you're missing. It's Jesus. And you need him. We all need him. And it does us well to realize that we need him. You think back to those days when Jesus came, those wise men were seeking him, weren't they? There were a lot of people that thought they were wise that were looking and didn't find him because they weren't looking for him. And he is available to those who seek him. We look at Luke chapter number 2. This is a famous passage when it comes to Christmas because everybody knows this passage. You could even watch, you know, that famous Charlie Brown Christmas, right? And you have Linus finally putting the blanket down for just a minute. And when he puts the blanket down, he quotes part of this passage here this morning. We look at Luke chapter number 2. Let's read starting in verse number 7, and then we'll continue on. And I always do that. I put in the notes verse 8, but I'm like, verse 7, we'll start there. Verse 7 says, And she, talking about Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And remember as we've studied the others, remember as we looked at um, Zacharias, as we looked at Mary, they were all afraid, right? The shepherds were afraid as well when they saw the angel of the Lord here. It says they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so you had one angel there, the angel of the Lord. And then look at what happens in verse 13. It says, suddenly, just right then, happened right away. There was a, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, which means it's a big number, bigger than what we could probably count. So all of a sudden it goes from one angel being there to a multitude of heavenly hosts. And what are they doing? They're praising God and they're saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this morning and as we look at this passage today that you would guide us and help us and meet with us today. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your working in our lives. And Lord, how we need you. Guide us and help us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Out of all the ways that they could have announced Jesus' arrival, they go to some shepherds in a field. 
Think about that. They could have gone to the temple. In the middle of the day, there could have been an announcement with all the angels in the temple, Jesus is coming. It didn't happen that way. Happened to a bunch of lowly shepherds. Over the past four weeks, we've been studying the different praises and songs that were sung to God out of praise to him at this time of year. We saw, first of all, the first week, Zacharias. And Zechariah, the Lord came to him. The angel of the Lord came to him and said, Hey, in your old age, you're going to have a son. And God's heard your prayers, and your son's going to be the forerunner for Jesus. And he said, Zacharias' answer was, Well, give me a sign. And the angel literally said, Am I not a good enough sign for you? And you're literally going to be silent. You're not going to talk anymore. Literally the whole time that Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, her husband didn't say a word. And then after he's born, we see him praise the Lord for what the Lord had done in his life. We looked two weeks ago, we looked at Mary. And the Lord came to Mary through the angel Gabriel as well. And said, you're going to give birth to a son. And that boy that you're going to give birth to, he's going to save the world. He's God in the flesh. And she exalted the Lord and she praised him that God would allow her to do that. And that's what this time of year should do for us. It should bring us closer to him and in praise to him. He is worthy of praise today for all that the Lord has done in our lives. He is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of praise. Last week we jumped past the Christmas story and looked at a man by the name of Simeon who God told him, you will see the Messiah. And they waited a long time for the Messiah to come. And after all that time, he holds Jesus eight days old in his arms, and he gives praise to God and says, salvation is right here. But you notice as everyone came to Jesus, there was praise given. But as we looked at Zacharias, and as we looked at Mary, and as we looked at Simeon, these were all people giving praise to God. Today we see something a little bit different here. It's no longer people praising God, but it's the heavenly choir praising God and giving him praise for what he is about to do with his son. You know, we look and we think that it was a cool thing, and it was not a cool thing to be a shepherd back in those days. The shepherds were not the top of the line. They were, in all reality, you know, we look at the, we think of the nativity and we think of all those things. We think everything was so nice and wonderful. You know, you have a nativity scene in your house, and it looks so cute with Jesus laying on the hay and all the little animals around there. Can you imagine what it really smelled like and what it was like to be born with a bunch of animals around you? He literally was placed in a feeding trough. He wasn't in a hospital. He was in a feeding trough. That's where Jesus came. These shepherds were kind of the outcasts. They didn't shower very often. They were on the outskirts of town. They didn't get to go into the temple. They literally didn't get to do a lot of things that other people got to do. They literally watched the sheep. Literally, you would place the shepherds a little bit higher class than lepers in that day. And lepers had to yell and everyone had to stay clear of them. Unclean, unclean because you didn't want to get what they had. Shepherds were not the greatest of people. No one trusted in those days the witness of a shepherd because they were known as liars and thieves. They weren't able to keep the ceremonial laws and lived outside of society. Most of them, and tradition tells us, they had foul mouths. They were just not the greatest of people. But what's awesome to me is Jesus didn't come to some religious people in the temple. He came to some shepherds that were out in the field. 
The fact is, I'm glad today that Jesus comes for those that are hurting. He comes for those that are discouraged. He comes for the outcast. He comes for the heavy-hearted. He doesn't come for those who aren't looking for a Savior. He comes for people who need a Savior. And how wonderful that is. And as we look here today, the angels came there that day to show these guys that salvation wasn't for some religious class in the temple, that salvation was come for a lowly shepherd, that salvation was for anyone in that day. We look at verse number 9, and look at what it says there. It says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel of the Lord, this is not just a regular angel. Could be just like with Mary, could be Gabriel. Because Gabriel said he, was, it said he was an angel of the Lord. When an angel of the Lord comes, it's one of God's top guns. Literally meaning from the face of God. God literally sent this angel to these shepherds to proclaim to them what God was about to do in the birth of his son. In that day, can you imagine a dark night and literally nothing going on? It's not like our world today. Literally, they didn't have electricity. They had none of the conveniences we have. It's dark. You're in the fields watching your sheep. It's dark. And all of a sudden, the glory of God shows up. And the glory of God is something we read about in the Old Testament. And we think about God's glory filling the temple and the smoke that appeared and all those things. And when God's glory shows up it's in reference to his beauty his brightness it talks about his power his splendor his holiness i wonder what the shepherds exactly saw that night when they saw this they saw the fact that god was coming and god was about to do something maybe they were half asleep and they're rubbing their eyes trying to is this really happening you ever pinch yourself to see is this real you know, wonder, I remember I had a dream a while back, and in the dream, I'm like, this is not real. There's no way this is real. And if I were to tell you the dream, it makes more sense to you, but I'm not going to go into details about my dream. But in this dream, I'm like, there's no way this is real, because, okay, I'll tell you about the dream. My wife's not here, so. So in my dream, my wife was married to another guy. And I'm like, she's my wife. I know she's my wife. And I'm like, this is not real. But she was walking around with this other guy. And I'm like, there's no way. She's my wife. And in my dream, I remember, I'm like, I'm going to pinch myself, see if this is real. And I didn't feel it. I'm like, whew, this isn't real. And I kept pinching myself. And then finally I woke up. And so, and the only difference between me and my wife is if she had a dream about me like that, she would have been mad at me when she woke up. When I woke up, I had already forgiven her and had moved past it because it was just a dream. That's the difference between the two. But anyways, I won't go any deeper on that there. But literally, they probably were like, is this real? Is this really taking place? You know, did they drink a little too much? I don't know. But literally, the Bible says here that they were sore afraid. It means they were alarmed. They were agitated. And the Greek word there means magos, which means they were super afraid. They didn't know what was happening. Now, what does the angel tell them? Do you see when the Lord comes, he doesn't want you to fear. Do you know what our world wants you to do today? Our world wants you to fear everything. Turn on the news. Literally, fear, 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 fear. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And as these angels, as these shepherds were there, and as they're sore afraid, what's the message? Look at verse 10. It says, fear not. See that there? Fear not. 
For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now look at the, look at the message the angel had to these shepherds. We're going to get to the praise in a minute, but I want to break down what was said here. Look at what it says. Do you see, look back there, it says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, do you see the phrase good tidings? That word tidings means news, good news. It's where we get the word gospel from. So think about that here. So at the heart of Christmas, as we look at what Jesus came to do, it's all about the good news of Jesus Christ. And that day the angels told the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news. That, what's that good news going to do? It's going to produce great joy in your life. Do you see that right there? The good news is going to cause joy. And that word, great joy, megas, again, means greater joy than you've ever experienced. Jesus talked about that your joy may be full and that your joy might remain in you. Remember that? And so Jesus came, and as the shepherds get, as get this message from the angels, it's good tidings of great joy. But do you see, it's, is it for some people? Is it for a few chosen people? Is it for the Jews only? Who's it for? It's for all people. So the good news of Jesus Christ should bring great joy to everyone. It's not for a select few, it's for everyone. What else does it say there? It says, look at what it says, the fact that he is born. Look at verse number 11. Do you see how personal it is? For unto you. Do you realize Jesus coming, it was a personal message, a personal delivery? He came for you. For unto you. You can plug your name in there. For unto whatever your name is, God sent his son. It was personal. Loves you. He sent his son for you. That message was personal. And as we keep looking there, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David. The city of David is talking about the fact it was promised by God that his son would be born in the city of David. It's amazing how God took a tax of the government to make it so Jesus was at the right place at the right time so a prophecy made 500 years previous could be fulfilled because God always fulfills his promises. And then we see the threefold name of, of Jesus here. We see he's a savior. The name Jesus means savior, deliverer. deliverer. What did Jesus come to do? He came to save his people from their sins. Christ means the Messiah, the anointed one. He was chosen by God for the task. And then we see that he is Lord. And he is sovereign. He is over all. And as the shepherds hear this message, and as they are told not to fear that this angels bring them good news, and that it's going to bring great joy, and that this is for all people, we see all of a sudden a multitude of angels appear. A number that it doesn't tell us quite how many it is. just says there's a heavenly host here. And what we see here is we see the angels praising God for what he's about to do. You notice what it says there in verse 14. It says, glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now it's interesting when you look at that verse. 
because if you watch it on Charlie Brown, and I don't get my theology from Charlie Brown or anything like that, but you notice they use a different version of that phrase. It says, with whom God is pleased is the wording that is used. And when you look at that verse, it looks like that God coming, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Do you just know it's not for all men? Literally, that word men means certain men. Do you know why it means certain men? Because unless you know Jesus, you will not have peace. Not all men will have peace. Do you realize that today? Unless you have Jesus, you won't have that peace. And so the angels that day cried out and praised God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But not all men. Literally means certain men. And if you don't know the Christ of Christmas, you will not have peace. Everybody wants peace. You turn on the news, isn't that what they want in the Middle East? Peace. Do you know what people want? People want peace. How many of you like to fight with people? And there, there are some people that actually like that. I don't know why people like that. I don't like fighting with people. I like peace. You, what, you're pointing over there, Katie? Katie? Katie, be good over there. Be good over there, Katie. So, it's totally worth it. No, I'm, I'm, fine. I'm fine not doing that. I'm totally fine not doing that. This is what happens when you get the whole family together. You've got to be very careful. And so once they, once they start, they don't stop. That's why, that's why Katie's, that's why the whole family, we only limit it to Christmas and Easter, that the whole family can be together in church. Because I don't know if our church could hand, no, I'm just kidding. It's always great to have your family here and things like that. But everybody wants peace. People want peace inside. How many of you like having anxiety and fear? I don't. I pastor a church. I've been a Christian most of my life. And one of the things I struggle with in myself is anxiety. It builds up. And when I'm laying there awake at night and the rest of the family sleeping and everything's racing through my head about everything that needs to get done and there's really nothing I can do about it at that time, I just want my brain to turn off so I can go to sleep. Anybody else ever been there? Yeah, a few of us in the room. We want peace. We want to find peace. People go to great lengths to find peace, don't they? They try to. They'll try prescriptions. I was down, I was down at the rescue mission yesterday. A lot of people there, they try drugs. Alcohol, just wash it away. Maybe if I drink enough, I'll forget everything. But you know, once you get sober, it's still there. It doesn't go away. Everybody wants to find inner peace. But I want you to realize this morning, and the message I have this morning is very simple. As the angels praise the Lord, they realize the fact the only way that mankind will ever find peace is through the gift that God gave this world in Jesus Christ. See, this morning, God wants you to have peace. But peace only comes through Christ. And so for a couple of minutes this morning, as we get to the end of our message this morning, I want to talk about peace. It says right there at the end of verse number 14, on earth peace, goodwill 
toward men. You know the word peace is found 400 times in the Bible in one way or another? In the Old Testament, the word peace, they, it's shalom, and it was kind of their welcoming and their, what they would greet each other with and for their relationships. When used as a greeting, it was more of a, um, a wish for outward freedom and, and kind of their well-being, kind of a blessing. The word peace in the New Testament means to join together, to set at one again. It has the idea of gluing something back together. And so as we look, I believe that God has peace for us in three ways. But without the first part of peace, you will not have the second type of peace, and you will not have the third type of peace. Because all the peace of God depends on the first part of peace, all right? So let's look at this this morning, and let's figure this out. It says there in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You see, why did Jesus come? To bring peace to us. And that first, the first type of peace that God gives us is this peace with God. You see, in order to have God's peace overall in your life, you must have peace with God. And there are many people, and just a couple weeks ago I did a memorial service, I did a funeral, and after the funeral I was talking with someone, as we were talking there, they literally said, I don't have peace with God. I'm scared when I think about what's going to happen after life. Last night at the rescue mission, and this doesn't happen often, three men came up to me afterwards. And they're literally like, I don't have peace with God. I don't know what's going to happen. Where am I going to go? And a lot of times, like that funeral I mentioned, when death happens to a loved one, it makes everyone start to think. And then the thought is, what's going to happen to me? It makes us put things in order just a little bit because it's not something we like to think about. Who likes to think about death? I don't like to think about death. I don't think any of us do. But as we think on this, we all want peace. And if we're going to experience the peace, it begins with peace with God. you got to realize this morning that God loves you. He loved you enough to send His Son for you. But you must also realize that God is also just in all things that he does. Sin must be paid for. Sin has its consequences, and sin had to be paid for. God couldn't turn a blind eye and say, oh, I'm going to just forgive you and let it go. God's just. It doesn't work that way. Being just means that sin must be accounted for, and sin must be paid. So what our sin did was it separated you and I from God. So there was no peace between us and God. In fact, you study the Old Testament, and that's why the shepherds were afraid. That's why Mary was afraid. It's why Zacharias was afraid. Because to be in front of God, it was not something that you did. Because there was no peace with God. If you were a priest in the Old Testament, unless you cleaned yourself a certain way and prepped right, you couldn't enter into the Holy of Holies. And only the priest could. On the mountain with God, did all the people go up to the mountain with God? No, Moses did. And the people said, Moses, you go. We're fine with you going. We're going to stay back. We don't want to go up there. Why? Because man didn't have peace with God. You see, in our sin and because of our sinfulness, Jesus Christ came and dwelt on earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross. Why? So we could have peace with God. Romans 5, verse number 1, 
the Bible tells us, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? Look at the rest of the verse. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, the only way you and I can have peace with God in the relationship with him is through his son, Jesus Christ. Many people try to find other ways to have peace with God. They try to bring their good works, bring their good deeds, bring their baptism, bring whatever the case may be. But the Bible makes it clear that if we're going to have a relationship and have peace with God, it only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus said these words, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. This morning, if you want peace with God, the only way to have that is to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. So this morning, if you are going to have peace with God, it begins by a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way to find peace. Now, God wants you to have that relationship. That's why Jesus came. Jesus died so that you and I could have peace with God. And you can be justified by faith and have peace with God. But that's not the only type of peace God wants you to have. God wants you to have peace with him. And that's where it all begins. You will have no other peace in your life if you don't have peace with God. But then he wants you, secondly, number two, to have his peace in your life. So there is peace with God in a relationship. And then there's the peace of God that helps us in all of our trials in life. See, God can bring peace to your problems. There's that song in our songbook, Peace, Peace, Wonderful Peace, coming down from the Father above. There have been moments in my life where I remember when I was a teenager, I was 17, my mom was really sick, and I thought she was going to pass away before I graduated high school. It was pretty bad. She had a stroke, you know, and you see her, the, you see her, it looked like she was dying right there. They took her to the hospital, and I didn't think she was going to make it, really didn't. And I remember that night being at home and just crying my eyes out to the Lord, being like, I I want my mom to be around. I want her to see when I get married. I want my children to know my mom. That's what I prayed for. And that night, as my heart was so overwhelmed, there was this peace that came. That God said, it's going to be okay. And it was the peace of God. You ever have something you're really stressed out about? And all of a sudden, as a believer, in your relationship with the Lord, all of a sudden the peace of God takes over? And it all becomes okay. I wish it happened every day and everything I go through. It doesn't always happen that way. But God's peace comes into situations. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter number 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful. That word careful means anxious. So be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And listen to what the ver next verse says. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, though, you will never have the peace of God for the circumstances of life if you don't have peace with God in a relationship. Because until you welcome in Christ, the one who brings peace, you will never have peace. You need him, and he brings that peace. You think about what the Bible tells us in John 14, 27. Jesus said these words, 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And Jesus said, I bring you peace. And this morning, as the angels cried out to God and gave him glory for what he was about to do, they said that those human beings on earth, those men and ladies that were going to be on earth, that they could have peace with God through Jesus Christ. But not only can you have peace with God in a relationship, but you can also have the peace of God in your life. When all the trials of life come and everything tries to weigh you down, you wonder, how do people get through it? How do people get through the hard times? It's the peace of God. But without his peace and the, in the relationship, you'll never have his peace in the midst of the storm. Remember the disciples were on that boat, and Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side? And the storm was a rocky storm. It was a rough storm. And then they woke Jesus up, and they're like, don't you even care that we're going to die out here? And Jesus is like, I already told you we're going to the other side. He basically said, what's wrong with you? What are you worried about? Jesus was with them. When he is with you, you can have his peace to get through things. The three types of peace that Jesus brings us, peace with God, the peace of God in our lives, and then thirdly and lastly, peace with others. It's what he came for. But you see, you cannot have peace with other people if you don't have the peace of God in your life. And it begins with the relationship. Then you can work on the inner part of your peace, which leads to your peace on the outside. A lot of people want to, this is where people go, they want to deal with their peace on the outside. I just can't get along with people. Well, you need to first of all get to a point where you and God can get along. And until you become a child of God, until you get saved, you're the enemy of God. We are. The Bible says that we have to be reconciled to God. So if you're not at peace with God, how can you let the Prince of Peace into your life and help you in your relationships and help your inner peace? Because you need that relationship. You can have peace with God, which brings the peace of God into your life, which makes it so you can have peace with other people. When we think about these things, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 12, it says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Don't you like having relationships that have peace? I do. I don't like having, I like harmony. I like peace. I don't like going home to a war zone. You know, I don't know if any of you like that. I don't like that. I don't like, I like peace. I like my relationships good. I like, that's, that's the way it should be. We need that. We want that. I hope you want that. The Bible tells us in Romans 14, verse number 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. You see, this morning, the angels that day cried out, glory to God in the highest. And, they, and God deserves all the glory and praise. Stand on this morning is the fact that Jesus came to bring peace into your life. Let me ask you this morning, do you have peace? Let me ask you, do you have peace with God? How's your relationship with him today? If you died today, where are you going to spend eternity? Are you saved? Do you know him as your savior? He came and you can have peace with God 
through Jesus Christ. How's your inner peace doing today? He came so you could have a relationship, but he came to take care of the inner turmoil and the stress that we have. I don't know if you notice, you look at our world, it's getting worse and worse out there. Have you realized that? And more and more people are getting anxious and all these different things, all these different depression. Do you see how depression is in the world today? Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace to help us in those times. And if you're a child of God today and you're suffering those things, he's given his peace so that you can have inner peace. But if you don't know him, you're not going to have that inner peace. Let me ask you this morning, how, how's the relationships in your life? Do you have peace there? See, Jesus came to bring peace. That's why he came. And the angels that day are proclaiming how awesome God is. The fact that God would bring peace to mankind through his son. And this morning, if you don't know him as your Savior, you can have peace with God. If you know him as your Savior, but life's a mess, you can find the peace of God to help you get through all the trials that you're going through. And if you're having problems in your relationships, you can have the peace of God to give to others. But it all begins with knowing the Prince of Peace. The book of Isaiah says his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace. And you can have that peace this Christmas Eve. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had this morning.